Man, I, I hope that you've been enjoying this beautiful weekend. I've seen pictures of people out hiking and camping, and it's such, it's such a delightful time of year. So happy to join you online again this morning. I know that still feels different and unusual, but here we are. So um, glad to be together, even if it means that we're connecting over a Facebook Live. So this morning... We are, uh, I'm actually, the goal that I have this morning is simply to introduce a new teaching series and just give a little bit of context. In fact, what I'm going to do is talk about where we've been as a church family, where we are now as a church family, and where we're going and why with this next teaching series that we're going to dive into. So that's kind of going to be the simplicity of it this morning. So I, I'm just going to start by going back over a little bit of where we were. And if you were with us, Northgate family, you'll remember this. If you started to tune in with us online, it might just give you some helpful context. But early January, we started a teaching series called The Way of Jesus. And what we did in that teaching series was we really talked about what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus, what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And we even talked about really the idea of being an apprentice and the idea that we are called when we get saved, we're called through a narrow gate into a difficult way, which means that we've actually laid our life down and we've picked up the goal of, I am going to follow you, Jesus. And so what we talked about was when we become a follower of Jesus, we start to orient our lives around three main goals. And those goals were to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And so we had started talking through that um, over a long period of time. In fact, we had a teaching series that was going to take us actually all the way up to the end of May around those three things. And we'd gone through talking about being with Jesus. You know, if we're going to follow him, we want to spend time with him first. We want to get to know what he's like. We, we listen to his voice. We hear his teaching. And the more we are with him, the more we become like him. And, and that's where we'd been in early March. We'd started to talk about becoming like Jesus and how that begins to work in inner transformation in his heart, in our hearts, and how we begin to reflect his nature and his character through our lives. And and that is then out of that place how we start doing what Jesus did. And sometimes we can get ourselves a little bit backwards if we just try and do this thing and and say we're going to behave like Jesus and we've actually skipped the steps of being with Him and becoming like Him. And and so we were mid-series on this way of Jesus, talking about discipleship and, and being followers of Jesus when this virus hit and all of a sudden our whole expression of how we're gathering changed. And to be honest, I feel so grateful that we were in the middle of really talking about discipleship and really putting out the challenge to us as individuals. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? I I feel like I can look back and see the ways that God was preparing us and shaping us to continue to thrive in this season because there was such a challenge that was on. What does my personal walk with Jesus as a follower of Him look like? And, And I don't know about anybody else, but we had been wrestling through John Mark Comer's book on the ruthless elimination of hurry as a, as a grow tribe, as a small group. We were really actually already examining our lifestyle. 
Is it expressed in our lifestyle that we're followers of Jesus? So when a season of change in pause came, we actually were able to see a little bit of an opportunity in the middle of it to really continue to grow in what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, which really should happen in any and every season. And so I feel like the Lord set us up with a framework to navigate change. How do I navigate a new season with my main goal being that I am a disciple and a follower of Jesus. So that's where we were, right? We, we were talking about that. We were putting out the challenge. And that leads me into, okay, so where are we now? What happened? So, so yes, we, uh, we experienced something that none of us expected. A sudden change got thrown into the middle of 2020, and here we are. And we say this most every week, I don't believe that God sent a virus, but I also believe that there is very much something that God wants to do in the middle of this season. And so as a follower of Jesus, the first thing we do as his disciple is we come back to what is God saying? We must hear his voice because we want to follow him. And so one of the things that we really believe that is being tested right now, one of the things that's actually coming out of the heart of Jesus for us right now as he continues to call us into discipleship, as we continue to walk in this apprenticeship, is there's a certain testing or I'd say a sifting that is happening. And and let me say this, it's always grace. When God tests us, it's always grace. He's bringing us into deeper places of alignment. He wants to reveal to us new things. He wants to bring us into the fullness of his promise. So when I say test, I say unto a good end. But one of the tests that I believe, or we believe is happening in this hour, is it's really sifting in us any place that our spiritual life was being built around being an attender rather than it was built around being a disciple that any place where our spiritual life was built around being an attender more than it was built around being a disciple. And, and I'd also say it's putting a little bit pressure on the question, are we as a church a Sunday morning gathering or we, are we as a church an on-fire community of covenant believers? And when I, when I say this about being a disciple or being an attender, what I really mean is, is my spirituality in, in me and as a family, is that centered around the fact that I personally am a follower of Jesus? Or is it centered around the fact that I have to attend somewhere for it to be provided for me? And, and I think it's a really good and healthy question to ask. Is my relationship with Jesus fully alive and fully moving ahead when the normal support structures that I rely on to feed me uh, uh, changed? You know, and, and here's the deal. I love the gatherings. I absolutely love the gatherings. In fact, when we did, we did an online women's gathering here, I think a little over a week ago, and it was the first time really since the shutdown that I'd felt like I just got to come and worship with a group of other believers outside of my home. And as soon as the first song started, honestly, I was just in tears. Because there is something that happens when a sound is released from a unity of groups of believers together that we just don't get to experience anywhere else. And it is an important and necessary expression of the church, 
I, it really is. And so I so believe in the gatherings, but I also believe that in a season when we can't gather like we're supposed to, that me as a disciple of Jesus is going to continue to grow, is going to continue to move towards him because my spirituality and my personal relationship with Jesus as a disciple was never meant to rest on somebody else providing me scripture teaching somebody else facilitating my worship, or somebody else needing to lead me into prayer. Because that was all my responsibility as a disciple of Jesus. And not only that, but to be teaching and leading my children and my family in the same way. I was never to rely on somebody else to lead my children into spirituality. And, and I think... Honestly, there, there's some good things being revealed in this season and not just on that front. I, I, I have to say I've been a little bit challenged as a homeschool parent in, in these last couple of months and, and maybe some other people can relate, but we get so used to relying on somebody else to teach our children that to be honest, I, I'm going to be really honest, I haven't been entirely paying attention to whether that education has been successful until it came into my home. And suddenly I'm realizing, oh, there's some, there's some ways that certain things that are being taught that aren't landing well with my children, especially in the area of math. And I'm watching my child not have the grasp of some concepts that I thought they should have. And what's so interesting is the first thing that came up and out of me was complaining and blame. Like, what are these teachers doing? And they are not teaching well. And, and a little, you know, that, like this starts to show up a little bit in my language until there's a point further down the road that, you know, may be helped by a brother-in-law that facilitates homeschool and, and reminds you that the teacher is, the parent is the ultimate teacher. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the education of my child or how well my child flourishes in the education system is still my responsibility. You know, it's just that really important reminder of what is mine to own versus what I just don't want to give away responsibility for and not realize, actually, am I doing my job as a disciple, as a discipler, as a parent, as a teacher? You know, so... so we enter in this season and the model that we're used to is on pause and we go back to what is God saying? And you've heard Dennis say this week after week, one of the things that we know that we know that God is saying is that there is an emphasis on the house to house. While the Sunday morning gathering is so important, there is an emphasis right now on the fact that where two or three gather in the name of Jesus, there he is in the midst of them. There he is in power. There he is in presence. There he is ready to guide, to lead, to encounter, to teach. And I just like the idea of the thought of houses of discipleship. And when we talk house to house, when we say that word, well, where does it take us? That takes us to Acts. Because we know that the early believers, what does it say? They met daily, 
house to house. And, and so it takes me to Acts where you go, and when you look in Acts, you really, uh, the, the picture that you get is what was the identity of the early church? What did the early church look like? And, and this is really key, because in Acts, you will see the description of a community of believers who followed the way of Jesus. Now, I'm going to say that again because it's important for where we were. We were in a whole series on the way of Jesus. And then you come to Acts and you see, what do we have? We have a community of believers who follow the way of Jesus. In fact, you will find in Acts that they were called more the followers of the way than they were necessarily called Christians or the church. They were followers of the way, which meant that their goal was to express the mission and message of Jesus through their lifestyle. You'll see believers who expressed and continued on the work of Christ on the earth through their lifestyle. Well, how? How? The main vehicle for it was houses of discipleship where they experienced Holy Spirit encounters, where they got caught on fire and when it spread out around the world. And, and, and here's the good news. When you look at that, the good news is that our identity as a church is not found in our Sunday gatherings. Now hear me say, still, a very important expression and peace and biblical mandate, honestly, together. But it is not our identity. Our identity is found in the fact that we are a community of people who follow the way of Jesus and express His mission and our me- His message through our lifestyle, and that one of the ways that we do that is in houses of discipleship, houses of acts, house to house, Now, that may be you as a family. That may be you with a small group of others. I I don't want to define what that expression is. But what I want to say is, what is your expression as a believer of the way of Jesus, Monday through Saturday? What is your expression as a believer of the way of Jesus, Monday through Saturday? Are we cultivating houses of discipleship, because there is nothing that is stopping the mission and message of Jesus being expressed on the earth right now. There is nothing that is stopping that, Uh, which then loops us back, all the way back to the discipleship question that we've been asking this year. What is the expression of Jesus in my life? As a follower of Jesus, how am I expressing his mission and message on the earth How is that happening in my house? Is that overflowing into a house of discipleship? Am I a disciple and do I have a house of discipleship? Those questions now lead me to where are we going? Where are we going in our teaching in this next season? Well, we're going to land in Romans 12 for a season and it's going to be fun. I'm actually really looking forward to it. Now, The way that Paul structures his letters when he writes his letters, and you'll see this pattern, is first of all, in in most of his letters, he teaches truth. He teaches doctrine. So you get that through the beginning of Romans 12. He's setting up this framework of understanding grace and understanding your salvation. And he goes into, you know, no, no condemnation. 
that you've been saved, that you've been adopted, that nothing can now separate you from the love of God. But then partway through his letters, you'll see a shift that happens that goes from, and it's moving from in light of the truth, now this is how you will live, or this is how you should live. Based on this, live like that. What's the understanding? Right doctrine is expressed through right living. Now, Romans 12 actually marks that transition for the book of Romans. So Romans 1 to 11, he's teaching truth. He's teaching, in fact, some amazing foundational truth that a lot of us land on in our understanding of Jesus. And then in Romans 12, he's actually shifting in light of all this truth that I've just taught you. Here is how we are to live. Here is how it's to be expressed in our lifestyle. And so that's where Romans 12 actually starts. Verse 1 and 2 that a lot of us know is really based. Look, if you have all the understanding of chapter 1 verse to 11, then what? Then I urge you, therefore, I urge you. Brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that the will of God, sorry, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So in view of what is taught, he is saying, and, and one of the translations used, you know, this, my translation says, which is your spiritual service of worship. Some translations say, which is your reasonable act of worship. What is he saying? That in view of what God has done, in view of your understanding of his grace, in view of your understanding of his love that he's just taught, the only reasonable response is you now offer yourself. You begin, you put yourself in the place of yielding. You put yourself in the place of surrender. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. Is Jesus, I come to you and I present myself. I present my life. That is worship. Yes, it, you know, we sing and we do these other things and that is worship. But the fullest, truest act of worship comes in actually surrendering in the giving of my life as a spiritual act of worship. So that's what begins to happen is now we offer ourselves. And then you look at, at what happens next is it's an inner transformation where he says, we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that word transformed, we've talked about it before. It's the Greek word metamorpho. It's the same idea as a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. It is an actual complete change of form which means that our minds go through a transformation from where they were formed by the world. Now they are formed by God. On the in, in the inner part of me, when I yield my life, when I say, God, here I come, I'm a living sacrifice, what begins to happen? I get transformed on the inside because I begin to connect to heaven. I start thinking what God thinks. I start hearing from him and it changes me on the inside. And, and that's a process of transformation that we're all going through as a disciple. That was in the become like Jesus piece. But here's the other thing. As we are transformed on the inside, it then turns into an outward expression. That was the do what Jesus did piece. 
And, and that's where he goes on to say, look, when you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, you begin to prove what the will of God is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect begins to have an expression through my life. You know, what happens is you begin to see Jesus expressed through yielded believers who have gone through the process of transformation. And that's what you then see described in the rest of Romans chapter 12. The rest of Romans chapter 12 actually begins to describe what that process of inner transformation begins to look like in our attitude, in our character, in the spirit that we carry when we come into contact with other people. It goes through a section where it describes what that looks like to other believers and actually what it looks like to non-believers. So when you read the rest of Romans chapter 12, it's, we, what we don't want to do is, is just pick it up and be like, oh, this is what I have to be like. No, it actually challenges back to I yield my life and I go through the process of transformation. And when that has happened, this is what it begins to look like on me. And so what you find in the rest of Romans 12 is, oh, I don't think more highly of myself than what I ought. I actually begin to take responsibility for my gifts and that I have something to give. I have love without hypocrisy. I'm fervent in my love for the Lord. I rejoice in hope. I bless. I don't curse. And I think that one of the things that's really important, especially in this season, and one of the reasons that we've picked up Romans 12, is part of the beginning of this chapter where we're like, man, I offer myself as a living sacrifice. And then the end of this chapter, which says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And Romans 12 gives us a pathway towards being overcomers, and it looks different than what often the flesh tells it because it is the process of being yielded. It's the process of being transformed on the inside. It's the process of being overtaken by the nature and character of Christ so that love begins to be expressed through me and suddenly something is coming out of me that actually has spiritual power. And it's that that leads into victory. You know, and so... Really, all I'm doing today is I'm setting up. We're going to land in Romans 12 for a season. I want to challenge us to come back to the question of, am I a disciple? Am I offering myself as a living sacrifice? You know, what the thing that we want to do as a follower of Jesus, when seasons change, things get hard, I'm, I'm coming back to the altar, Jesus. I'm getting back on the altar. I am a living sacrifice. I very much need to be transformed through the renewing of my mind, which means I want to think what you think. I want to hear what you're saying. There is a ton of other voices speaking right now. And honestly, there is different messages in this hour about what God is saying. So what am I going to do? I'm going to get back on the altar. You can transform me, Jesus, from the inside out. And I'm going to start looking. Is that process causing the attitude and nature of Jesus to be expressed through me? So what I just want to challenge you to do, first of all, the first question is, am I a disciple? 
I, I just want to challenge you to think that. And then I want you to challenge, am I raising up a house of discipleship in whatever expression that looks like? And so I just want to encourage you this week, get into Romans 12. Look at the pathway in Romans 12. Look at the expression of the attitudes of Jesus that come through us as believers when we go through the process of transformation. So I, I, I'm encouraging you, meditate on it. I'm encouraging you, ask God, what is it that you're going to have for me in this chapter? God, what is it in here that you want to challenge me with? But then I, I want you to ask a second question. As a part of a house of discipleship, how can I use this to disciple somebody else? How can I use this to cause growth and life to come in my family or in whoever I'm connected with? And how am I going to continue to take it personally, my role as a disciple and follower of Jesus? So that's what we have for this week. That's where we were. That's where we are now. And that's where we're going. Followers of the way of Jesus. As a community and as individuals, we are followers of the way of Jesus. So be blessed this week. I just pray that you will be encouraged and inspired and convicted and challenged by Romans 12. I pray that it will cause life to spring up inside of you. I pray that it will cause you to go deeper into the scripture, that it will cause you to become closer to Jesus. I pray that it will cause us again to put ourselves in the position, Jesus, our lives are yours. We just ask that your character and nature would spring up inside of us, that we would overcome evil with good because love is on the throne. In Jesus' name, amen.